Welcome to the Mind Duck Japan podcast, episode. I'm going to say it's in the 40s. It's 23. Welcome back to our cycling episode number three,、uh, where we talk about our cycling adventures. Brad from Australia has come back to join me on trip around Chiba. I never say what this podcast actually is, so if you're listening for the first time, we talk about the language and strange things and mascots and、uh, all the food in Japan. And this is a traveling special where we went、uh, about 400 kilometers again in five days, and we're recording this after we finished. Uh, at the hotel, the last night, how are you feeling? Yeah, feeling fantastic. Actually, compared to last time, I'm a lot better. <laughs> last time, if you didn't listen, I almost killed Brad because we planned.、Uh, what did we plan? <laughs>、um, that was from Shonan area to Niigata, so the other side of the country, which was fun, to say the least. <laughs> yeah, so last time we went、uh, in the hills of Nagano and died miserably. <laughs> <laughs> so, so this time, the whole goal of this trip was have a relaxing trip, which、uh, was kind of accomplished. I dare to say. Yeah, it was, it was <laughs> probably accomplished. I think we have、uh, both grown to be、uh, professional cyclists now, so nothing can stop us <laughs>、uh, except hills. Except <laughs> hills didn't stop us either. <laughs> there, were, there were no there were no hills like that in、uh, Niigata. We consistently did almost 100 kilometers per day,、mm. which was impossible last time because there were so many mountains. Mm, mm. So Chiba is a city, and Chiba is also a peninsula, so、uh, like a prefecture. So if you imagine Tokyo and go east, the the big peninsula on the right, that's all Chiba. And we went、uh, from the other side of the sea,、uh, south from Tokyo, from Kamakura, across to the other side on a ferry, and then all around all Chiba to Choshi, which is like the point very east of Japan, and then to Ibaraki. And on this episode, we'd like to talk about what we've seen, what we've done, what we've eaten, and also show you. Because I've been making lots of videos, and I was thinking about how to do this, and、uh, I decided to make it a podcast so you can still listen to it, or you can see all the videos on YouTube, which will be just like the filler background. I'll highlight some places that you should skip to if you're not interested in watching the video, but you just want to see some things. So if you want to see me running upstairs and all the food that we talk about, all the places we talked about, I filmed a bunch of stuff. Brett also filmed a bunch of stuff. He's got、uh, his、uh, famous. Strap on of for for seventy positions of of his GoPro, which didn't really make an appearance this、mm-hmm. trip. But it, it,、okay. it did, it did. You filmed something. Some things, some things were filmed, but don't expect much on on Brad's YouTube channel this time. <laughs> you expect a lot. I made like a lot of videos, so you'll see everything from my camera. Which、uh, because in Japan there is a problem with humidity. Yes, it got in my lens, and there is a piece of mold in the lens. So on the Bottom right, you can see a speck of mold, so you have to deal with that. I, I can't edit it out. <laughs> anyway, so let's get let's get into what we what we've done, what we've seen, and、uh, to keep with the usual structure of the episode, I'd like to do a quick language quirk, which came up a lot this、uh, this trip. Language quirk. We talked about what to do or not to do, and every time I ask Brett what he wants to do, he says, <laughs> "You have to do it more Japanese accent." <laughs> you said it like a normal phrase, but usually you're like, "Don't show, can I?" Yeah, it just it just means like,、oh, "I wonder, I wonder." I'm just being I'm just being less straight and more、uh, beating around the bush. Yeah, it's a phrase you can hear all the time、uh, with Japanese people. It literally means like, "What shall we do?" Because "suru" is do, and、uh, "do" means how or what, and then "shio" is like, "Let's do something," and then "kana" is like, "Maybe," like a question.、Mm-hmm. So it's like, "What shall we maybe do?"、Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Yeah. And you can hear this a lot of times because Japanese people are very indecisive <laughs> and they never want to decide. So because uh, Brad is living with Japanese people or a Japanese person, I shall not name, uh, he's, it's brushed off on him, I feel like. Um, maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe. That was the perfect cute for you to say. Oh, dojo. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So anytime you don't know what to do, and you're in Japan, and they ask you something, you can just say doshio kana. <laughs> and after that, I usually say nanyo sureba ideska, which means what would be the best to do. Yes. So if you if you're like lost and they don't know you don't know what's happening, like sometimes some paperwork or people are asking strange questions, so you just say doshio kana, and then nanyo sureba ideska, and then do it for you because <laughs> because you just asked what's what's supposed to be done. A quirk that uh, is very common in Japan. <laughs> Traveling tips. So let's move on to traveling tips. A very, very simple, short traveling tip. I was worried what it would be like to get on a ferry. And it was really easy and really cheap and really convenient. So get on a ferry <laughs> if you're in Japan. So, so we planned our trip to go around Chiba and uh, most of Chiba, I have to be honest, is nothing. Yeah. Uh, the, the nice part of Chiba is the north uh, with Ibaraki and like uh, at the border of Ibaraki, which is the next prefecture north of Chiba. And then the very south of the Chiba Peninsula, I think is beautiful. Mm, it's so, very beautiful, yeah. So what I recommend is go to Yokosuka, which is south from Yokohama, which is south from Tokyo, and get on the ferry to Chiba, explore the south, and then go back by the ferry. That's, I think, is a really nice trip. And you could do that even in one day if you wanted to. So let's say if you slept over in Yokosuka, then went on the ferry, explored uh, south of the Chiba Peninsula, got some food, so the all the sites then got back it's very doable very cheap and very interesting so that's a, that's a traveling tip you you can try even without a bicycle of course news and stories so on this part i'd like to quickly recap all the places uh, we've been to and what we've seen what we've done uh, one more time if you're watching this on youtube you're gonna see what I was planning to do was just play all these videos of all these places and I'm always gonna put a map and the point where it is and maybe write some comments because originally I was making videos like this is like a cheap onsen out of the way and you can get here this way and this is where I am uh, this is really boring mm. so nobody's gonna be interested in watching that so hopefully you're gonna get something out of this podcast and then in the background you can see some of the places I'll try to sync it up with what we're talking about. It's not gonna probably fit all the time. So we started in uh, Kurihama. Mm. Kurihama is a small port city south of Yokosuka. Yokosuka is south of Yokohama, that's south of Tokyo. Just go south from Tokyo. <laughs> that's what, if you're imagining the map. Mm. And uh, we started in a huge flower park. This is probably one of the milestones of the trip, I would say. The sole reason I wanted to really go to this place was... Was um, <laughs> Phil's favorite Japanese uh, character, Godzilla. But my favorite Gamera, but he has a second favorite. <laughs> <laughs> so they have a giant statue of Gamera, uh, Go Godzilla. Ten... 10 meters, maybe? Uh, hmm. eight, not not eight giant, meters? but pretty Ten big. Meters? Yeah. And it's a slide, so you can slide down its back. What's the most sensible way to get into this slide? <laughs> Other than build it into the crotch of Godzilla. <laughs> so you climb into Godzilla's crotch, and then you get on the slide. <laughs> yes, and it's only for children aged up until 10, I think it was. It was so sad. I went yeah. to get in there. Yeah. I went to get yeah. into Godzilla's crotch. Who wouldn't? So hard. Yeah, and that's what she slide said. Slide down it, and I couldn't. So disappointed. That's what she said. <laughs> Michael Scott. <laughs> so that was the first stop. After that, we got on the ferry, which was a ghost ship. There mm. like five people on the ferry, including us. The whole area for the cars and bicycles was empty. I think there were like two cars or something. Yeah. And, and two bicycles in the whole ship. Imagine like 
And now it could be like 100 meters long. Mm, mm. It's really pretty big. Yeah, but the ship looked like it was decked out for a long voyage. Mm-hmm. There was restaurants, there was um, decks with chairs and tables, and like there was a... You can get ice cream and ice hot cream, food. Hot food, everything. You it was can sit at the front, at the flag, at the top. And yeah. It's like four floors. How many floors? I can't remember. There was like, there was at least three or four, yeah. It was great. I never, never been on such a big ferry. Yeah. And it goes about one hour, every each hour, I think. Yeah. So you can get it very easily. Mm. And it cost us fourteen uh, hundred yen. Uh, that's about fourteen dollars. Uh, bicycle included. If you go without the bicycle, it's like eight hundred yen, I think. So very cheap. Very nice. Very good. So we got on the other side, and we uh, saw this. Uh, yeah, there was this huge cliff where they carved in the stone. It looked like a fort, but I don't think it was a fort. I think they just elegantly carved the mountain, so it looked like uh, like a nice viewpoint. Hmm. And there's a ropeway or like a cable car going up to it. And we decided not to go there because it would waste time. Until which I proceeded to waste time by pushing Brett up the hill from the other side to see this giant Buddha statue, mm. which, which I'm really happy we saw. And it turned out we climbed up the mountain from the other side for free, mm. which is definitely the check way to do this. <laughs> but uh, I'm not sure. We how still you... had to pay though. Well, we had to pay for the entrance, mm. but we didn't have to pay for the cable car. I always have these decisions. I'm overzealous about like seeing places. I'm always like, we shouldn't see this, right? Look there in the mountain, there is a head of a giant statue like peeking out <laughs> of a forest. And we can go there. It's, it's pretty steep. And for some insane reason, you agreed. Which I don't know what you were thinking about at the time. <laughs> you know what I was thinking about. What were you thinking about? <laughs> The adrenaline that will seep out of my veins as, <laughs> I, as I'm climbing up the, the hill. So we sweated like hell and Brad pushed the bicycle all the way up the hill. And then we walked up to the giant Buddha and there was a sign that said there's a viewpoint. And you have to walk up, I don't know how long, I think they claimed it's like 40 minutes. Yeah, but we did it in like 10. Yeah, because I, I rushed really quickly because we had about 15 minutes before they closed the whole area. Yeah, we're always we're always like right on the edge of closing or like that's waiting my, for something that's to my close. Life. Yes, that's, I always do that. Recently, recently, it's because you're traveling with me. I always do everything like to the minute. <laughs> it's partly true. It's partly true. So we got onto this huge viewpoint where you see all these videos. That's what we were talking about. And it was pretty nice. We could see the ferry mm. going back, and it was nice. Yeah, so it was my favorite day because we could see so many places. Probably Brad's least favorite day because he got to climb all these mountains. <laughs> no, not my least favorite day. So after all this happened, I lost my way and we unnecessarily climbed another hill. Which then we came back because I, I missed the, the the turn. And then we went to this like terrace of rice fields with a bunch of rice paddies like layered on a hill, which looks really nice. But there were so many hills. And I don't think you even went there. Yeah, it was, was a lot of hills. It was hectic on the first day for both of us. There was, it was just like Niigata. So the reason we split up was because we decided I'll go first and check in the hotel. And uh, I was saying that we would go to the main road. But then we ended up meeting at the hotel at the same time because Brad found a better way. <laughs> and I did like an insane circle around the, the hill with, without any reason. <laughs> so I ended up going about 100 kilometers while Brad did like 80 kilometers. I don't know how many. You just like doing extra kilometers. That's, that's all. <laughs> but we arrived to the hotel. We couldn't check in because there was sweat on our foreheads. Yeah. And the lady was really nice and waited for us. Yeah, she was so, so nice. Uh, she even gave us a different room mm. because we were supposed to sleep in bunk beds. Yeah, I need to write a good review on her on her uh, Google Maps. Yeah, Seaside House. Seaside House. So south of Chiba Peninsula, Seaside House. Just give it a shout out. Really nice place. <laughs> really clean, really cheap. So it was day one. Uh, like I said, about 100 kilometers. And then we went along the coast all the way around the Chiba Peninsula. And we didn't see much, to be honest. This is the part where I don't recommend it too much to go, actually. Day two, whale day. Just continue along the beach for for a long time. Um, and it was nice, but it, for, for, for like personally for me, there was a lot of wind, so it kind of slowed us down a little bit. 
And after a while, we saw a bunch of ports and uh, a bunch of whale mascots. We saw a whale skeleton. Mm. And we saw a whale, like, tail in a flower garden <laughs> statue. <laughs> yeah. And, and Brad told me about uh, uh, whale meat. Mm. So this is where we transition into our regular part where we talk about food. <laughs> Food and drinks. Just uh, a uh, a warning: if anybody is uh, against whaling, then you should probably skip this part. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was about to say. So we tried uh, whale meat, which it wasn't the first time for you. No, it wasn't the first time for me. This is, I've had it before, so. And I've never even thought I could ever try it. Yeah. <laughs> I was surprised it's even possible to buy it. <laughs> anything is possible. Well, anything is possible. <laughs> I, didn't thought, I didn't think it would be easy to get. So what's your uh, review of your first whale experience? So before I say that, I wanted to say that uh, I didn't expect to have a whole de- dedicated whale restaurant. Mm. Like, is that a thing? Like, can you find whale restaurants? Yeah, I think they have it in Tokyo as well. Yeah. So, And I don't know why in Chiba there is like an area, like the bottom half um. of the Chiba Peninsula was a lot of whale stuff, like whale mascots, whale restaurants. And I don't know why that was the case, but one way or the other, we found a whale restaurant where they served all kinds of whale something. And uh, I feel very conflicted about this. I don't know how to feel and I don't have any idea how Japanese people feel. I asked Brad about that because it's a very touchy subject whaling which some people absolutely don't care about and then i not understand if people are upset because japanese people want to do it and they're banned from it or i don't understand if everybody is frowning upon it looking down on it and they just want to ban it altogether but obviously the the people who run the business with whale meat don't want to stop it so i don't know what's happening there do, do you have any insight about this mm. like do, did you ever talk to Any Japanese people about whaling? Um, so, I have spoken to a few people, uh, younger people I've spoken to, so, so younger Japanese people, and uh, maybe uh, the person, maybe Gen X that I've spoken to, um, a little bit older than us, he said that when he was in, I think it was like elementary school, Uh, whale was served in the school lunches. Oh, that's interesting. That's not too long ago. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, 20 years ago, maybe around 20 years ago, or just a little bit longer. Mm. And then, it was, so after that, it was it was removed from lunches. But um, up until then, it was always served in school lunches in Japan. That's interesting. I didn't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so a lot of the older people um, up until Gen X, around Gen X. Um, I think they really don't have any um, negative beliefs about whaling. That's from my my own um, imagination. So, like in my country, people don't give one shit. They don't know. They don't care. They don't mm. even consider because mm. there is no sea. People don't even think about it. Like obviously, mm. it's in the news sometimes, but if you ask a Czech person, they will have no opinion about this at all. I think. And then, yeah, in Australia, it's the complete opposite. People, are, well, a lot of the uh, population are very, very against whaling. And yeah, I think if you know, you're against it. If you don't yeah. know, you don't care. So that's what's happening there. Except Japanese people. Except Japanese people. <laughs> okay. So anyway, I love raw fish. Well, I I was excited I could try for once in my life before it's completely banned. I genuinely feel like this was the last chance I could try this. <laughs> Uh, so I had uh, sashimi with whale, with three types of whale. Uh, you've tried it, right? I've tried, yeah, I've tried it before, yeah. So they had like a very, very meaty, bloody, like dark red meat, and then some fat, and then some other like little bit like red meat. Uh, the fat is very strange. This is the one you said mm. you had, you liked? Like the whale bacon? Yes, they said mm. whale bacon. <laughs> Uh, so it tastes very strangely like melty and chewy at the same time. Mm, it's like mm. a piece of fat that slowly melts, but it's also chewy. It's very weird texture. But it tastes tastes great, I have to say. Like it's it's a pleasant taste. And then the other meat is like if you know maguro, that's raw tuna. It's very like hearty, meaty, and uh, if you combine it with beef and make it even more meaty, 
and more bloody that's what the whale meat is like so when you put it on rice it like left blood stains on the rice mm. <laughs> so sucked in blood mm. also when they served it it was frozen and it slowly flowed and uh, I that's just like a small piece uh, you said you didn't, didn't like those right yeah for me the the like the the meaty whale part is just a little bit like it's um how can i explain it it's kind of like beef or like like kind of soft beef mm-hmm. um but still like seafood mm. it's kind of a weird combination it's so very strange yeah yeah it's not for me I, i i like the the bacon part but it's that's more like just it's not really you can't you don't imagine that it's whale mm. yeah so uh, maguro is my all-time favorite food in japan i think i love sashimi and tuna is amazing and this is so uh, very near that so i really enjoyed it it made me think like If you had raw meat with blood everywhere, I would probably enjoy it. <laughs> if, I, if I could munch on raw meat safely, I would probably enjoy it. <laughs> Speaking of, have you tried raw beef? Yeah. So how, how do you like that? It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, like um, like there's a famous dish called yuke. Have you heard of yuke? No. I think it's called yuke. Yeah, yuke. And it's like, it's basically, basically a beef tartar. And they, oh, they, okay. they put like an egg yolk on top okay. and then you mix it with the egg yolk. But it's ground up. Yeah, ground up. Yeah, ground up. It's steak, but it's chopped up. It's really, really I remember good. together in one restaurant, we had a slice of not the ground up beef that was raw. We had mm. like two or three types of raw beef, mm. which I never even knew it's, it's possible to eat. <laughs> <laughs> you can eat anything. <laughs> well, obviously, but I didn't think it's a thing people do oh, okay. commonly. Yeah. And I didn't like that. It was so chewy. You didn't like it? No. Oh. The fish always melts, like the, the fat in the fish. Mm, fat in mm. raw fish is so melty. Mm, it's mm. like uh, if you have butter in your mouth. Mm, But that's the, true. It's, it's very pleasant for me. Yeah. But the fat in the beef that's mm. raw, mm. you have to chew it so hard, it's, it's not coming apart. It's kind of mm. annoying. That's true, that's true. But we did eat the last time we went to a Yakiniku restaurant and... Um, We had some raw liver. Do you remember that yeah, one? Yeah, that's good. I was also surprised that you could eat that. I didn't know you could eat that. That's nice. I like that. Yeah. And I don't like fried liver, by the way. I no, me like, too. I never like liver and the raw liver is okay. <laughs> it's weird because the, when, once you cook the liver, it has like a sandy texture. But when it's not cooked, it's completely smooth. Mm. It's, it's very strange. Yeah, so that's all about food. Uh, I really liked whale sashimi, but I don't think I'll ever have it ever again in my life. <laughs> yeah, really? Be it for price, ethics, or customs, or, or just banning it altogether. <laughs> Overall, it's just a bad idea. I don't think it's any any other country you can get it. I, I don't think you can... Like mm. even Norway and Scandinavia. Oh, really? I don't, I don't think they sell it anymore. I don't, mm. I don't know. I'm not informed about this at all, mm, but mm. I feel like it's not a thing anymore. Mm. Okay. <laughs> yeah, with all the with like the you know the, the the things about whales going extinct, I think only Japan does this stuff these days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is so. You know, Japan is like you know every every country is kind of isolated in their own way, right? Australia is isolated. Japan is isolated. You know, every so many countries are isolated. But for some reason, Japan likes to be way more isolated than any other country. <laughs> even though there's, you know, the the modern technologies of airplanes and, you know, even ships. Japan just loves to be isolated, I think. Mm. So they can they can do whatever they like to do. Yeah. Basically. It's, it's a good thing and a bad thing. Yes. Yes. News and stories. So back to the Traveling recap, day number three. I don't think anything happened. <laughs> day number three was just along the beach for the whole time, right? Yeah, so so we were just going and going and going. And my idyllic idea was that we would go and see the waves and there would be like fresh, fresh like sea wind and air. <laughs> and I would like cl- clear my nostrils with pleasant smells. <laughs> and uh, we just smelled a bunch of farms and like the, the, some of the harbors and the ports and all these mm. like fishmongers this smells mm. so bad mm. so many bad smells <laughs> yeah and we decided to go next to the like on the road next to the beach because that's much easier there's no wind blowing at you because if you go at the beach there's a bunch of wind and the road is shit and then it wasn't even possible to see the beach and i 
put a lot of effort into seeing the beach at these ones and I paid hard for it by going downhill like 100 meters like straight down like a very steep hill uh, some people are crazy and they want to do that other people just follow the road so that's when we discovered the magic of Google location sharing yeah so we were just seeing if I'm doing anything suspicious on the map while we were just going straight and having a good time and there was a, there was one point where I actually did catch Philip in a snack bar <laughs> <laughs> I went on this giant hill again. Anytime I see a hill, I have to go up on it. Yeah. So I, I cycled up on this hill, and I had a nice view, which you will see on the video. So we, we decided that I'll just uh, overzealously over-cycle in all the nookies, nooks and crannies, and Brad will just, just go. And you... But we missed one day. Like, we went halfway along the beach, and then after that we went through the... Remember the abandoned zoo and stuff like that we went through? That was second day. Was it? Yeah, we saw an abandoned zoo on the second day, and we also found like a homeless person's den yeah, that we that got into. And I think I filmed this. That was very strange. Uh, I've been to places like that many times. So it didn't oh. feel strange to me at all. Oh, okay. But but yeah, there was like a abandoned check-in into some area, but it was completely yeah. worn down, fallen apart. Yeah, it was and, really weird. And I think the strings that were blocking the entrance. Mm were put up there by the person who lives there yeah and yeah. he was baking something in like a stove like a uh, do-it-yourself stove out of bricks mm. and because I, I i am czech i know instantly when somebody lives in there really and i i thought you knew that as well and then <laughs> i told you you wouldn't believe it and then you saw it cooking and then you believed it but <laughs> when i saw the organized like stuff i was mm. sure there is somebody oh. <laughs> but, uh, even if he came out, he wouldn't shoot us with a gun, I don't think. So no. No reason to be scared. But, uh, yeah, it's it's strange. Mm. Uh, and then there was the abandoned zoo, which uh, didn't even exist much on the map anymore. No, no. <laughs> so many places like that in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, it would have been nice to go and have a look, but I don't know. Not really games. Either. I completely uh, skipped the part, I wanted to say, that all around the Chiba Peninsula, except like the really, really touristy places like the very south. I think the prices go like really down and there is nothing, like no business and mm. no even, not much of a train line. Mm. So I feel like it's kind of a dead land, like there's no, nothing going on. No, there's nothing there, yeah. And we skipped the part where the second day we slept at the Love Hotel. Mm. And we were going to another <laughs> adventure if we're gonna be able to get in. It was, a, yeah. And they just said, okay, you can get this foot on and you can sleep there, no problem. They're really nice. <laughs> it was a nice surprise. I mean, that bed was definitely big enough for the two of us. So I would have I would have shared the bed, but like, it, you know, it doesn't hurt to ask. <laughs> and the, the room was really huge and the bed was like optically small. <laughs> That's so strange. Right. It was a weird uh, visual illusion. The, the, the room was so big, the bed looked yeah. small in the yeah. corner. But the bed was big. The bed was really big, but yeah. it looked so small because the room was so big. Yeah. <laughs> it was just strange view. And there was like all the other amenities and everything was so tiny compared to everything mm. else. Yeah. I was just gonna say, and there was also a, a, a massage machine, a massage chair, like in the middle of the room. Mm. It, it's, it, everything felt very out of place. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've never seen a waterproof television in a shower. <laughs> so you could have a jacuzzi bath and watch television I would be scared to make it wet, but you just showered and it was all wet and it didn't matter, so it, it's waterproof. <laughs> <laughs> so that was, a, that was a place. So once again, uh, for cycling, love hotels are the best bet, <laughs> I think. Because you can check in late, no problem. Mm, mm. There's always somebody there. But for the most of the time, make sure you you either check in different rooms, if you're with two men on the same trip, or you... Uh, you just um, go in at the same time without telling anybody. Yeah, just try to sneak in, or if you're very honest about it, you can just you can just ask. Mm. Which if it's a hotel in the middle of nowhere where there's no business, they yeah. will want to have you, so yes. they will help you. Yes, and surprisingly, we got free drinks from that hotel as yeah. well. <laughs> so day three was just the long beach with nothing. That was the the ghost beach, basically. So we just kept going and going and going, and it was windy and nothing happened. But, yeah. we, but we went like... 85 uh, or something? Yeah, it's like 80 kilometers. And then we arrived to Choshi, which is like the pointy part on the east of Japan from Tokyo. 
and I really wanted to see like the lighthouses and all that. So Brad went to rest, and I they did my craziness again. <laughs> and I went in the night around the whole island, like peninsula, Choshi Peninsula, and I saw all the places I wanted to see. But it will surprise you. But it was all pitch black, and I couldn't see shit. <laughs> so I filmed this lighthouse, which had a sparkling, like diamond-looking thing in the middle. Which, if you've seen the movie Lighthouse, very reminiscent of that. <laughs> And uh, I was trying to film it, so you'll see a video here that's probably shit. <laughs> and it was day three. <laughs> and uh, day four was uh, the final stretch to Mito, which is near Ibaraki, uh, north east from Tokyo. And on the way there, we just went shopping. We had big boy food. Mm. The chain restaurant called Big Boy. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> big boy mm. I like big boys so we had like a lot of food I have to give it to Brad he's eating very well this this, this trip last yeah. trip he hasn't eaten anything and this, this trip is all the food yeah I learned my lesson I learned my lesson and like you know I was I was it took me a while to realize the amount of calories you burn on these 90 kilometer bike rides so what's big boy big boy Mm. Uh, Big Boy is a chain restaurant in Japan. It's based around Hamburg steak, which is just basically a hamburger but without any bread. And so you get you get the main meal, which is the Hamburg steak, and then you order like the the Viking set they call it. And in Japan, all buffets are called Viking for some mm. reason. In Japanese, Vikingu, yeah. which is even more confusing. Yeah, <laughs> it's like for cyclists. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know why it's called Viking, but uh, I think they just imagine Vikings being strong, big, and big boys, <laughs> and they just want to eat as much food as possible. And uh, it should be a it's a feast like a, like um, a Viking feast. I think that's how it started. Right, or maybe like from Smorgasbord. Do you know Smorgasbord? No. It's a Swedish, um, Swedish cuisine. Anyways, um, so yeah, the so you get the Hamburg steak, and then you order the Viking set, and then you can get as much salad <laughs> and as much Viking set curry <laughs> and soup as you want. <clears throat> it's very very good quality, very high cost effectiveness. This is this is the, the restaurant to stuff yourself basically. Yes, and for very cheap. We paid I think it was like 800 yen each. Stuff yourself beyond reason basically. Yeah. So that was day four where we arrived to Mito. And at the end of the day, we again I had I have all these like special needs. I have to see some stuff. So I, I made bread to turn away from the main road to the hotel and go to see a shrine and it started raining and uh, you were just two kilometers from the shrine i've never seen this fucking shrine i was planning to see it again today and i never saw it so how did you feel about the rain it was the first time you spent a long time on the bicycle in the rain so there's there's two stages the first stage is uh trying to not get wet which, which we did by buying daiso one dollar store plastic pants Uh, raincoat and covers for shoes, which was really funny. My <laughs> shoes were already soaked oh, okay, okay. before putting on the I see. things. So But I loved how you put on the pants. <laughs> yeah, I decided to. I wore the jacket, which was a good point, and then I, I put on the, the pants. I was like delicately putting them on. I was like, yeah, this fits nice. It works well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which persuaded Brad to do it too. And then they they broke. Did you just tore them open immediately? <laughs> well, that's what you get for 100 yen plastic shorts. I should have been filming, it was so funny. You like started putting your foot in, into one of, the, one of the pants and then you instantly just ripped it. It was yeah. so funny. Oh well. The good thing was I was wearing shorts and uh, cycling tights, so it's like Who cares if it gets wet? Anyways, so that was the, that's the first stage, trying <laughs> trying to stay as dry as possible. And then the second stage of rain, rainy cycling is just not caring, not giving a fuck, and just just re relinquishing all of your rainy fears. Mm. I was like drenched, but that, you know, it was it was I accepted it, and it was good. Yeah, it was tip, right. Tips for cycling: long time in the rain, just keep moving and try to put anything on that stays warm. That's all you have to do. Yeah. And don't go on a highway because you can slip and die. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's uh, one of the most dangerous times. So we arrived to Mito and then the last day uh, the goal was to see 
the uh, the falls Fukuroda falls 65 kilometers into the hills north of Mito into Ibaraki and there is a very very big waterfall and uh, then either come home by train or power through 120 plus kilometers back which uh, I'm not surprised you didn't feel up to <laughs> <laughs> so I went by my own, on my own and it was really really refreshing to see all the hills and natures and nature and rivers and forests and rice fields again so from Mito North I really recommend it I really really liked it and there's a train line going all the way to the waterfall so you can get saved any minute if you just want to give up and put the bicycle in a bag on the train so I went there and it took me about two and a half or three hours and then uh, I just took a bunch of pictures and uh, I went home by train just to relax but before I did that at the waterfalls uh, they're gonna see a bunch of pictures here and cue the stairs video I've made like maybe it's already started I think there's too much stairs footage and no other things that I filmed <laughs> so, so so they said there's a hiking course around the waterfalls and it's gonna take two hours it's like really steep up on the very top of the hill next to the waterfall like you know maybe twice as high as the waterfall which is pretty big so I decided to run up these stairs and uh, see the view it was really nice like a bunch of hiking so stairs stairs it's like a super stairs challenge it had to be like 200 stairs or more damn because it was all like first like steel stairs then like a paved uh, road with stairs then like stones stone uh, forest stairs then stairs out of mud then stairs out of some kind of wood then stairs out of concrete on the very top that were falling like off the cliff jeez uh, if you're scared of heights don't go there wow and i was always standing on the cliff like filming stuff looking down everywhere so you can see it on the video it's pretty nice uh, and uh, some people apparently died on the way because there were like things left behind i saw like a like a handkerchief on the floor like people in japan love to use to wipe their forehead Mm -hmm. So somebody couldn't wipe their forehead again. Jeez. <laughs> very big disaster. Wow. And there was a bunch of water bottles, like fresh, mm. like half drunk, like somewhere on a, on a tree stump or something. Somebody wow. died there. And <laughs> it's like a jacket on a, on a branch. Somebody was like so hot, so they just forgot the jacket. It's like, I can imagine the people, because the stairs were really steep. So you have to like almost climb the stairs sometimes. Mm. And some people were just like, panting they just put something on the floor and they just left they couldn't be bothered to pick up their shit wow. <laughs> but anyway you get into the top on the top and then into this forest with a miniature shrine and you can ring the bell and pray and then there is a big giant bell where you can have this like a log with ropes and you can pull it and ring the bell in the forest which is completely quiet and the sound is really nice cue the sound here I came down and was drenched in sweat so such a workout so <laughs> I just came home and that's uh, that's where we are now mascot and characters so ma mascot and character video uh, something in Japan I have to quickly mention the mascot of Chiba do you know the mascot of Chiba no I'll show you a picture. Okay. And uh, the question is, how do you think it came to be? It looks like the famous children's cartoon called Charlie, Charlie the Dog or something. Okay, it's a dog. It's it's all red. Okay. It's got a very pointy nose. Very strange kind of nose. Kind of looks like an erect nipple, to be honest with you. <laughs> it does. <laughs> if I look at it sideways, kind of looks like a wave. Oh, that's a good idea, but nope. Uh, is it is it the map of Chiba? Yes. Oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> the whole Chiba Peninsula, somebody just just made it into a dog. Uh -huh. And it's a little bit strange. <laughs> it's got this tongue sticking out. It's completely red. And the, the nose looks like something weird. I don't, I don't like the nose. <laughs> so they have it from different positions like this. Wow. 
And uh, let me read you the official uh, Chiba-kun, that's his name, description of the Chiba Prefecture official website. They say, he's very curious and loves to take on a challenge. When facing something unknown, he becomes even more courageous and passionate. His body shines red. Living in Chiba Prefecture, blessed with a warm climate, rich nature and abundant seafood and agricultural products, he has a weakness for tasty food and loves to eat. This lovable character who can sometimes be mischievous. Please support him, everyone. That's what they say on the website. So, if you go around Chiba, you'll see this fucking dog everywhere. I don't like him. Look at him. I don't like him. <laughs> One piece. The brand name of the week. Get ready, it will be weird. Vehicles, power, revving. If these are the words that come to your mind when you think of wave riding, well, you've got to come to our shop. No jet skis, no engines, only pure, manly wood our surfing school has all you need wave riding vehicles wave riding vehicles the thought of the day so this time what is your thought so this time I'd like to ask uh, are mothers the start of racism? <laughs> so, <laughs> Where did this come from? Yeah, we, we talked about a bunch of stuff. Did we talk about this? And, uh, mothers and racism? It, it's just, uh, it, I'm just trying to say a funny question. I was thinking about how strange it is how people feel about other nationalities based on the family like usually we talk about racism and like stereotypes just because of tourists mm. but it's not much talked about how people look at it in a family and i've had this like thought going on in my head how in many families it's it's very common it's absolutely normal and there's nothing wrong with it but it happens very very often that the the mother or the father or the family they just have a certain type of person that they accept as to be as being the desired partner this happens in any family i know for instance czech people i think czech people want a partner that is reliable very humble and very down to earth Mm-hmm. and not boasting, not bossy and not like overly confident. I think in my country it's bad to be overly confident. Oh wow. Uh, and if somebody is overly confident, your parents will say that's not a person to be with. Wow. And uh, like if you're like let's say American to be stereotypical, mm-hmm. people in my country think that Americans are loud, dumb, mm-hmm. noisy and they always do what they want without any consideration of other people. I would say three quarters of that is correct. Well, obviously not with all people. <laughs> obviously not with all people, but some people. Well, like you have this like gut feeling based on what your parents used to tell you. Mm. I'm sure you have the same. Like this is what the partner in my family has to be because that's like the good thing, right? Mm. Like this is like what people, there's like a group of attributes or like character traits that you're looking for in the partner based on what your parents told, taught you is a good thing in a person mm. right if they taught you nothing about that then but they, they cannot not tell you about that because you have to have somebody to look up to you have to have somebody to bring you up so then you inevitably have some ideal of what it is to be a good person mm. uh, are you talking about being a good person or are you talking about um, the role model of the type of person that you should be with as a partner well, isn't it the same in what way well if you have an idea of what a good person is isn't it exactly what you're looking for in a partner mm, yes so it's, it's the same like in very general general scope um, that's what you mean okay 
So then, let's say in the Czech Republic, people tell each other, you should look for a humble person, you should look for a person who doesn't brag, you should look for a person that's very skilled and like a little bit introverted. Wow. And has like a very good sense of self-worth. Like they don't splurge, they don't go shopping sprees, they like know how to manage their finances, they, they know how to take care of the family basically and they'll be reliable. That's what people, I think, it's like the stereotypical good husband or wife. They'll cook well, they'll save money, they won't go wasting money and they'll never boast. I think boasting is like a very bad thing for Czech people. Mm. And then this immediately eliminates the majority of the outside world, if you think about it. Mm. Because all the foreigners are immediately out of the question because they're like all the US it's just people being confident and then all these other kind of nationalities are too loud <laughs> so only Czech people and that's how the racism starts um. because you want this kind of person who you believe is a good person mm. isn't that strange what about like if, if your parents are um, flat out racist towards some people then that do you think that reciprocates to you as well that's another topic uh, which I would believe is not the case because children very often try to differ from yes, parents. Yes, yes, yes. So I don't think that happens. Yes, I agree with you there. But I think this is a very like subconscious, very basic, very elemental like gut feeling that you get subconsciously from growing up and feeling like, let's say, from fairy tales, like Czech fairy tales. They always have a person who's self-sufficient, reliable, humble and like strong, but not getting into other people's business and not showing off and not, and you you have this feeling that this is supposed to be what you what you want and then you meet people who are not that and you have this conflict in your head mm. and you either deal with it or you become racist wow that's <laughs> tough so that's what i was thinking about so that's the thought of the day and i don't know if any of this is true this is just what went through my head when we talked about marriage in japan how some people look at foreigners strange and how it's just an issue with what you expect from a partner if it's not the same nationality. Hmm. So does that does that like uh, in a way def- uh, affect your kind of ind- individualism and liberation and your freedom as well, or like does it does it kind of verge onto that topic as well, or is it just are you just referring to racism? Oh, all of it. It was just like to be controversial and ask a strange question <laughs> the racism oh. is not the main part oh, okay. it's more like the way people think about all this so yeah, so yeah. all of it mm. just racism interesting interesting. but I think it never occurred to me that this could be how let's say xenophobia or just discomfort with different mm. cultures starts mm-hmm. because it's a thing that happens very early at your life and then you don't think about it very much but mm. it's still there Mm-hmm. Like, like this kind of person is a good person but mm. that's not what they are yeah because like sometimes uh, like at least two times in the time that I've been in Japan uh, walking through a shopping center and then a, a young kid like I don't know a toddler mm. a toddler would say something like point at me and say ah oh, look mom there's a foreigner mm. I'm like who told you that it's like <laughs> maybe maybe this is acceptable in Japan but like if it was any other country, it's kind of like rude, right? This happens in the Czech Republic all the time. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. Really? Okay. Children are just pointing out things that are obvious and true, and they know the meaning of the word foreigner, so they, they say, I don't think that's bad. Yeah. I don't think they were taught to point out foreigners. They see a different face for the first time in their life, so obviously mm. they're going to be interested. But like, do you think that the parents have spoken about foreigners to them before? Or it's just from the TV or, or media or something? Oh, I don't know. Yeah. But I think especially children being curious and going to the foreigner and pointing it and talking to them is a good thing because mm. then they see them and they know it's nothing new mm. well that's a very optimistic view about it but children who are not scared of foreigners and get in touch with them are very open to them later mm. so please mm. <laughs> children wow. all these children listeners we definitely have <laughs> if you're five years old mm. run up to foreigners but like on, on that note like at the same time, should they be saying, look, mom, there's a foreigner, or should they be saying, look, mom, there's a there's a person that's not from Japan? <laughs> well, what they will say is, he's black, look at yeah. him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right, what right. the children will say. And the yeah. parents will be like, oh my God, you can't say that. <laughs> and that's immediately like a 
memory in the children's mind that means it's bad to say anything. Mm. So when your children shouts, you know, child shouts that somebody's black or I don't know, mm. I don't think it's bad. Mm. I think it's normal and it shouldn't be frowned upon. Why doesn't it happen with white people then? Well, look, look, mom, there's a white person. Well, if you are in a black family, then yeah. obviously it will happen. Mm. Because it's a person that's different. That's mm. all. If you see a person who's half the height than all the other people you see every day, it's gonna happen. If you have a culture that doesn't grow long hair, and there's gonna be a person with long hair, it doesn't matter what it is. That's true. That's true. You're saying you're speaking the truth. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you agree with this nonsensical idea that? Uh, it all starts at a young age when... From what what you were saying, yeah, I, I, I think that racism definitely stems from a young age. It's not something that's acquired uh, when you go to school, for example. Hmm. It's inputted in your brain <laughs> since you're like a toddler, for sure. But you, when you grow up, you you have the mental capacity to decide for yourself what is right and what is wrong. Oh, let's hope so. Yeah. <laughs> so some people just never think about anything. It seems like it's, it's, I don't know, it seems like it's uh, unchangeable, right? Like mm -hmm. years and years and years and years, like from the events that happened with um, slavery in the, in America, like and that's still going on from that time. Do you know mm -hmm. what I mean? But it's like the white people, are they really doing the best they can to accept black people? Mm -hmm. This is a very deep conversation that we fall into. <laughs> Yeah, I get it. So, photo of the day. If you uh, have a minute, send us an email to mindduckjapan at uh, gmail.com and tell us which country and what do you feel like is the stereotypical good partner person in your fairy tales. Final thoughts. So one last thing before we finish this recording, uh, I had one night, during one night we switched on the TV and we watched how to learn English in Japanese. Oh, yeah. I recorded this, so you're gonna watch this clip. Cue the clip here. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying. Do I'm trying. Try <laughs> And they were teaching a phrase, and the phrase was "I'm trying." <laughs> do you oh know my what? god! <laughs> Why do you have to teach "I'm trying"? Can't you just learn that in a dictionary? So they had the whole skit where somebody dropped a key or something under under uh, like a closet, and somebody tried to lift the closet so the other person could to reach it, but they still couldn't reach it. They're like, "I'm trying, I'm trying," and then the whole like ten minutes they were teaching the phrase "I'm trying." And they had this whole body language gesture come, like, good went along with it. Could you describe what, what they did for people who are not watching the video? How to describe that? They, like, whilst saying, I'm trying, they would put their, both of, they would raise both of their hands above their head, and then um, when arriving at the end of trying, they would slam their hands down in front of their bodies. <laughs> That's insane! That's like a group dance for I'm trying. Yeah, and it looked like a corny 80s, um, like, exercise video. Yep. But, yeah, it was very strange. So if you don't uh, know, Japanese people love the word try. Yeah. They, never, they never do, they always try, they're the opposite of Yoda. Yeah. Even though Yoda is in, inspired by the Japanese language. Right, 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 right. So they always like, try shimasu, which means shimasu means do, and try is try, that's just like broken English. They always like, can you do that? And can you like, Please help me with this, and they're like, "No, I can't do that." And then you ask them seven more times, oh. and then they're like, "Torai shimasu, challenge!" And they do it. <laughs> why don't? Why can't they just say, "I'll do it"? Because they never do anything straight. They never say anything honest. They're like, "Doshio kana," and then after five "Doshio kana," they like, "Torai shimasu," or like, "Kano ga arimasu." Do you know what I mean? No, "Kano" is possibility. No, so there is a possibility. Yeah. Ah. yeah, it's like you can not you can do it, but there is a possibility. Okay. So anyway, that's about this episode. I hope you enjoyed the videos. If you are listening to this episode as usual and you're curious about the video, 
skip to the part where I go upstairs. I put a lot of effort into filming that. <laughs> it's the last part of the video. And thanks to Brad for going on another cycling adventure. For reasons undisclosed, this might be the last one. Why? Do you want to disclose them or should I shut up? Uh, <laughs> okay, well, what Phil is talking about, um, it will definitely not be the reason of the final Brad and Philip cycling adventure. Um, but uh, the re is this what, what Philip is talking about is the fact that uh, I will be having a baby. Yeah, so. congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. I didn't know if you were comfortable to say that. Yeah, no problem. Also yeah. getting married. Yeah, now I'm already married. Uh, now that you said that, I wanted to mention the, the family tree. It was oh. very interesting. Yeah. Could you tell us about that a bit? So, in Japan, um, it's a very, very unique system. They have a thing called koseki. And uh, it's basically a family tree that's like a database inside the system. Everybody is in a family tree and it's, and it's like... Um, it's connected to the ward offices so they can keep track of all the citizens or something. And... Um, so when you when a when a woman gets married to another Japanese man, the woman then put gets put on the man's uh, family tree and gets removed from the old family tree. Mm. So it's it yeah basically that's the situation. Mm -hmm. But if a woman gets married to a, a person that is from outside of Japan, obviously that person from outside of Japan has no family tree inside of Japan. So in that case, uh, a new family tree is created in that per, in the in the man's name. So. In my case, a new family tree has been created uh, in my area of where I'm living uh, under my name and then uh, my wife's name. So it's just yeah. the two of us so it's, far. It's, it's amazing. You're starting a legacy. You're yeah. going to be like forever in the, in the archives of Japan and starting a new family tree. Well, there's like how many? 150 million people in Japan. So one person is... <laughs> no, I mean, of course, there's bajillion people, but yeah. it's still like an interesting thing that's gonna be carved in stone forever i, I mean yeah. japanese people love their bureaucracy and paperwork yeah. it's gonna be there forever it's gonna be there forever and yeah. somebody's gonna after hundreds of years somebody's gonna trace back to the start of the tree and they're gonna have yeah. an easy time and they're gonna be like oh it's, it's brado san Brad, do you say brado or brado burado 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 started our Super three. You know what's interesting about my name in Japanese? The katakana is burato, which which actually means blood. Oh really? Yeah. Oh god. Yeah, like it's Count Dracula. It's blood. <laughs> so when 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 a Japanese person hears my name, they think of blood. Oh god. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna trace back to the very origin of this family tree. I'm gonna be like it's a vampire. <laughs> so anyway, thanks a bunch for doing this it's always uh, much more enjoyable to go with somebody than mm. dying alone because when I, if mm. I go alone I'm gonna die because I do too much shit you keep me in in, <laughs> in line of it <laughs> and I push you a bit out of line so I think it works very well yeah it's like a healthy balance <laughs> <laughs> so thanks a lot I hope you're not the last time on the podcast and uh, good luck with your family <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much yes and uh, alright and I just wanted to say um, uh, thank you as well to Philip who uh, always um, gleefully comes on these uh, trips um, aka challenges what did, um, what did you say last year I'm very motivational or something I remember when we were like super tired at the ghost hotel yeah. you were like dying <laughs> falling to sleep and you were recording the update for the day yeah. and you were like I was asking like, how do you like this trip yeah. maybe you can cut to a clip from the other episode I played here Okay. tonight we're staying at the ghost house so you know it's getting worse and worse basically maybe we are the ghosts maybe this is not the real life this is the simulation I don't know this is what, this is what traveling with me does to people I don't think so. I think uh, I think he's a good motivator. Um, that's it. I think he's a good motivator. Yeah. <laughs> but you said something like, "Oh yeah," I was like, "Did you like this trip?" I was like, "Yeah, it's it's okay." And Flip is very. And then you then you were quiet for like a minute, and you said like, "Flip can be very motivational." <laughs> <laughs>
but it's true. It's true. It's very, he's very motivational. Yeah. But I love. <laughs> no, you are. You are very motivational with cycling, and uh, um, but obviously at times where um, I flat out am super tired and uh, would like a rest day, uh, the the motivation is uh, <laughs> how can I say. <laughs> Relentless. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. But I don't think I do that. I just like try to. My number one goal is always to be safe and get you into places where you can't die. <laughs> like when it's raining, mm. I try to get you out of the road so you like. You oh no, no no! And, like I I really appreciate that and like that's not what I'm talking about. I'm just I just mean like uh no I like basically all in all um you you're very motivational with cycling and um you kind of you kind of push the person that you're with. To the to just just above their what they think they can do, and that that helps to uh, develop their uh, capabilities. Okay, thanks. Yeah. I wouldn't say that's true, but no, it's very true. But thank you. Philip is just being, um, what's the word? Ideal check husband based on the stereotypes. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> He's being honest and humble. Humble. Yes, he's being humble. <laughs> okay. See you on the next episode. <laughs> Bye. So that's the thing, you have to do your research. Don't just go with the flow, be the herder, sorry, be the <laughs> shepherd, not the sheep. I hope all you listeners will strike gold one day, have a family of two kids, maybe three kids, and uh, enjoy the enjoy the rewards from your ventures. You're gonna be a motivational speaker? <laughs>